Hey, welcome back to Season 3 of Pigeonal Hockey, a participating member of the Hockey Focus Family Podcast. This is Chris and today's co-host, Steve. Hey, how's it going, hockey fans? And you know us, we're just a couple of goalies that have taken one too many pucks to the head and do not claim to be hockey experts, but simply overzealous hockey fans that love to play, watch, read, and talk about hockey. Speaking of too many pucks to the head, our guest on today's episode is none other than previous guest Heath Goldsmith, the goaltender for the Fresno Monsters, and he's jumping back on with us today. How are you doing, Heath? I'm good. How are you guys? Doing good. We're doing good. Yeah, I got coffee. It's uh, kind of shining, and it's not 5,000 degrees in Phoenix, so life is great. Oh, yeah. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> yeah, give it a it's month. It's coming, Steve. <laughs> Very soon. Very soon. <laughs> yeah. Keep reminding me, boys. <laughs> hey, I was watching some YouTube videos earlier this week about Phoenix, and, well, I guess maybe we'll talk about those off the, off the podcast. But it's been a blast watching you this whole season this year, Heath. Before we actually get into kind of a couple of the subjects for this podcast, including round two of the USPHL playoffs, how are you feeling? Because in the time frame since our last podcast, you left Long Beach and you were acquired by the Fresno Monsters. How was it being with the with the Monsters organization? Uh, you know, it was actually kind of a breath of fresh air. Um, you know, it was it was really good. It, it was just it was just an overall great feeling. Uh, you know, obviously going into that kind of a environment where everyone wants to win, uh, it always helps, right? And so uh, it, it was just a, it was just an overall great feeling, even though you know it didn't end the way we wanted it to. But it's a it's a family that I'll have for the rest of my life. That's for sure. It's, it seems like it's an incredible organization. It's been probably my favorite junior hockey jersey for quite some time. I've discovered mm-hmm. a couple since that I'm I'm quite in love with that we'll do on a future podcast here in, in the coming months when I've when I'm looking for material. But <laughs> um, I love the Fresno Monsters jersey. And I think even our co-host Sebastian commented on uh, we had we had a I did a write up on the Hockey Focus. Uh, about the the playoffs for the Pacific Division, and I used a picture of you in the Fresno Monsters jersey as the background for it. And Sebastian immediately commented, "Where can I get one of those jerseys?" <laughs> yeah, it's, no, it's they're they're sick. Out. They're sick, and uh, lucky enough, I was able to keep mine. So I, I'm gonna get that get that framed as soon as I get home. That's for sure. Oh, I thought you were gonna ship it to me, man. Oh, uh, might have to. I don't know. I don't know. But no, those are beautiful jerseys. I've been trying to figure out how to get my, you know what, if you're not going to Fabian, if you're listening and you got your jersey, one of you got to ship your jersey. No. Honestly, <laughs> the problem is I like wearing jerseys against each other. Just like siblings. <laughs> Who's oh. gonna send I'll take both of them. But um, oh. <laughs> uh, I felt I felt that one for you, Goldie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It was a, it was great watching you guys on the Fresno Monsters, and uh, again, it, it ended a little bit earlier than we anticipated. That's kind of the the USPHL playoffs, though. That's why you play the game. If there's a guaranteed series, uh, why play at all? Like just yeah. move a team on, and and that's kind of how round two. I think oh well, no, round two. My predictions thing all goes well because I did predict that Fresno would take down Las Vegas, and it didn't happen, but. I guess yeah. what we'll briefly touch on here is if if you two are watching, it, we had the um, and of course you listeners, you can definitely read the articles what we're dropping on the Hockey Focus. But the Mountain Division was in its round two. 
uh, which for the West was the only one where round two wasn't the final round because you had two series, including the Pueblo Bulls uh, visiting the Ogden Mustangs and the Idaho Falls Bud Kings visiting the Utah Outliers. Those series kind of unfolded as I thought they would. Idaho Falls uh, had a rough going against uh, the Utah Outliers, a little bit more rough than I thought it would be, which I think just goes to show that Utah is a team that is ready to win a national championship. They are so deep as a team, and they just never let Idaho Falls get off the ground at all. It was unbelievable how really uh, Idaho Falls got dominated by Utah. And, I mean, Robotham did the best he could against the uh, against just the, the sheer force of the Utah team, but Utah Dominated the series and, and and moved on. And I definitely got to give a shout out to the Idaho Falls Bud Kings fans. They definitely love this podcast. They love following us at Pigeon Hockey. And I would say they're probably the most traveled fans of any team of the 18 teams in the West. Um, they took two busloads, guys, two busloads of people down to West Valley to support their Idaho Falls Bud Kings. That's incredible. I don't, I'm not aware that of any is. other team that takes a busload of fans and they took two busloads. That That's insane. That's insane for junior hockey. That's, that's crazy. Good for them. It, it's unbelievable. And they did, they got such a amazing support network up there that uh, any of you players that aren't O2 and you're, you know, O3 to 07, 08 at this point, that is a team that, Looking at the crowd, the fact that they sell out a 4,000-seat arena, mullet arena can't do, that I just think that it's, it's quite incredible that they can they, – they had, what, 21 home games this year in Idaho Falls, and they sold out 18 of them. And I think the three games they didn't sell out, they were over 80% sold. So it held over 3,000 fans in the arena in an unsold-out game, which, again, mm-hmm. set for junior hockey is – Simply incredible. So um, yeah. looking forward to see what Idaho Falls does moving forward. Then you have Pueblo visiting Ogden. Pueblo, I, I was actually kind of shocked that they beat Provo, um, but they they proved that they were the better team and they advanced on beyond round one. And I tell you what, they put up a fight against the Ogden Mustangs. You could tell these boys that their legs were tired in game one as their, uh, I think their bus had mechanical issues on their way to Ogden and the Rock Springs prospectors. So give them a shout out here actually came to their rescue and sent the bus down to pick the boys up and get them to Ogden. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> they arrived like an hour or something before game time. Oh, and uh, yeah, that's it, Heath. How, do you, how would that affect you as a player where, you're expecting to get there hours and hours before the game and you uh-huh. get there like an hour and a half before game time. And you're, you know, fans are already in the arena at that point too. think well, about yeah. that, like especially in Ogden. I was that fan that was already sitting there with the first beer in hand yeah. at the Weber ice sheet and Pueblo is just arriving and they have to play a uh, play a team that's had two weeks of rest. Like, yeah. How do you feel like you would handle that? Well, I, I think that, I'm going to be honest with you. Um, that was basically, we got to games 10 minutes before we were supposed to be on the ice. Uh, the earliest we were at the rink was an hour before warmups. And so uh, even after being there for a long time. So how do you prep for that? It's a uh, you don't, you don't really prep for it as a player. You basically try to 
get as ready mentally as you can. Uh, I remember the first game that we were there, the, I got there early because I drove myself uh, because I knew the guys weren't going to be there for a while. And they got there 10 minutes before warm-ups. The guys were running off the bus. So there was no warm-up, no nothing. We got on, lost in overtime. So, But, I mean, no, that's – and we did that more than once with more than one team, I would say, where it was like we got there, the, especially that first game. Uh, we were notorious for being there probably around 50 minutes early, if that. Oh, my God. How did, okay, so this just blew my freaking mind. Um, okay, especially what? about attendee, okay, on top of everybody else. And this no, is not you have to get in the game, man. We gotta get, but you gotta get stretched out. You gotta get like, were you doing yeah. stretches on the bus? Well, like, you know what I mean? Like, were you in the aisle, like, doing calisthenics and getting yourself warmed up? Like, that's freaking bonkers because of uh, everybody. Honest, yeah, no, it, it's crazy. Honestly, I never took the bus after that um, because I was just like, I had a car of my own and I was like, I'm just gonna drive everywhere by myself or with my dad. Uh, who was in town for a bit with me. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to get there as early as I need to get there and be prepared myself. But no, guys were stretching in the in the middle of the thing. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, man. Uh, anyway, I don't I don't know how, like, even for me, when I was just when I just moved on to beer league, I would still get there well before a game just because as a goalie you have to like you have to stretch you have to get mentally Mm -hmm. into the game you have to put on whatever music drives you because we all have our thing and you know for some of you crazy goalies out there it's rock or country i don't know how you do that i I, mine's all i don't either yeah (laughs) yeah no i I don't either i mean i i'll my routine is pretty similar uh you know i'll get to the rink i'll go through you know some stretches i'll do a meditation uh, like just put on like ocean sounds and just breathe for about 10 minutes, just eyes closed, focusing on seeing what the game is going to progress like. Um, and that really helps me get into the zone. And then, you know, I go and I get dressed. So it's, uh, it's definitely something where if you were there that late, you couldn't do that. So it's, it's kind of a, kind of a shitty situation. That's for sure. Yeah, no kidding. That sounded like a little bit of like Ryan Miller-esque there, because I think that's what he was really well known for was always going out onto the ice before the game and just stand. He would just stand there with like his his hands on his, you know, his chin on his hands over his goalie stick. And you could just see his eyes moving. He was playing out game scenarios all that time in that environment. And it's just, yeah, that's really cool. You kind of uh, have the similar vibes there of kind of what. You know, I'm a big Ryan Miller fan, so I'm going to talk about that. But um, Ogden did take down Pueblo, uh, especially in game one, because Pueblo just wasn't there. And and it showed. And uh, they ended up even, uh, I would say, mercy polling Lucas Bjork. uh, And and Alex Timmons came in relief because there was just an – oh, Steve, you would have lost your mind. They gave him no support in game one. And the atrocious giveaway that led to the fifth goal was just mind-numbing. And one of those things where my wife comes out of the bedroom and she's like, you've got to stop. You've got to stop yelling at the TV. They can't hear you. And I'm probably going to bring her on here coming weeks to hear all the things she hears me shout at the TV during y'all's games. Um, Cause that'll be funny. But. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Because I do. I yell at every one of you on the ice. Um, like you can hear me. I'm like, what the hell was that? What was that? You know? And I'm just, uh, I get I get pretty enraged watching some of these games, but uh, 
you know, Pueblo came back in game two and took it in overtime and won much like they did against Provo. And I kind of felt that thing happening for game three that they were going to take down Ogden, but Ogden just came out on fire in game three and really didn't give Pueblo much of a chance. And uh, Ogden moved on. And then, uh, so actually now Utah and Ogden will face off in the Mountain Division Championship game in West Valley. Uh, this upcoming weekend to determine who's going to be the division champion. But both teams are moving on to nationals as that is the way it is structured this year, as I assume that's the way they're structuring it because it's the last year of them being a premier division as they move up NCDC next year. And then the Northwest division, Seattle went down to Vernal. And again, with bus issues, they didn't have a bus issue, but they definitely were impacted by a major winter storm. So big shout out to the bus driver for the Seattle Totems to get the boys there safely. Uh, we, if you, if anyone follows them on Instagram, I'm sure they probably have a TikTok. I don't know. You can see the the storm that they were driving in to get the Vernal. Um, so fortunately, they got there and back safely. So again, big shout out to the bus driver for Seattle. And all the honestly, the bus drivers are underrated here. They, you know, they get the teams back and forth safely. So huge shout out to all those bus drivers out there in junior hockey and honestly every other sport getting uh, athletes back and forth safely. But Seattle went down there and again with the first game they kind of looked tired and Vernal took them down. Seattle came back in game two and won it. Was quite impressed with the way they played. Felix Ludman stood on his head, really gave his team a chance to win and they did and it was really, really very impressive. But in game three, what I'm just going to call shutout Sunday now, Tarantino, Antonio Tarantino, uh, you know, Steve likes the little green bag thing there, <laughs> um, you know, posted the shutout. He just would not let anything past him. And uh, the Vernal Oilers were crowned the Northwest Division champions. So, again, for shutout Sunday, Antonio Tarantino off the Vernal Oilers, David Orsmog off the Ogden Mustangs. And Thomas Pigeon off of the Utah Outliers, all posted shutouts. So big shout out to them. Pacific Division, Heath. It was yes. your boys, the Fresno Monsters, against the visiting Las Vegas T-Birds. Um, now, you were not, neither you or Fabian were able to get starts for that series. You faced off against Las Vegas in two games, and Las Vegas came out on top um, in the three-game series. Tell me a little bit about what you saw in that series. Not only that, but kind of your experience so far in Fresno. Yeah, well, first of all, I want to congratulate Vegas. You know, they, they had a hell of a series, um, you know, played really well. Um, you know, it could have gone really either way. Um, obviously, it didn't go the way we wanted. Uh, you know, it was honestly not what we not what we envisioned going into the weekend. Um, we sure as shit didn't think we were going to get swept um that that's for sure uh you know honestly as a 20 year old and I just feel so bad for the other 20 year olds um it's just it was such a shitty way to end it uh you know obviously the first game we're up and it gets put to OT and it has a feeling of the San Diego series but reversed at that point um the the previous weekend where we ended up tying it late went to overtime scored 10 seconds in to win it I think they scored like what five minutes in to win that game in the first game there. Uh, so yeah. I mean, it was just it, it was just kind of a on your heels from there. I mean, honestly, a three game series, especially when it's not like two teams go to nationals. I think that that championship series should be five games. Uh, we'll get into that later though. Um, 
but I mean, other than that, I mean, Fresno was a great place to end my, end my junior's career. Um, it was just an overall, you know, family environment. Um, it was, you know, obviously going into that high level of talent, uh, you're obviously, you know, you don't know how the room reacts to new guys, all that kind of stuff. And they immediately right away, they invited me in, uh, you know, Ethan was a great, great tendy there. And, you know, he invited me in right away. And so did pal when, when I got there and pal ended up leaving, but, uh, you know, and then Fabian came in and we invited him in with open arms and it was just, you know, something where we all wanted to win. So whatever, whatever we thought would get us, get us to win was, you know, we didn't care if, our spots were being taken or whatever. So it was very unselfish and that's kind of how it's run over there is, you know, whoever's in the lineup is going to help us win and whoever's out of the lineup needs to help us win and, you know, whatever they need to do. Right. You know, is that pre-scouting is that yada yada or whatever. So, you know, it's just something where, uh, it was a great, great way to end my junior career ending with a good group of guys that want to win. And, you know, I think that if you watch to the end of the, end of the uh hockey tv broadcast guys were on the ice after the game uh just kind of distraught um so i mean it's and we were all you know together so it's just something where you could tell that we were a group of group of guys that wanted to play for each other and that was just disappointed that we couldn't go to new york this year but uh i want to wish you know the t-birds the best of luck in new york this year obviously as they're representing the pacific division I don't think that's the way Fresno saw their season ending. And huge shout out to Las Vegas because, I mean, Peterson and Morin, you know, I always love to give the goalie love here. Uh, oh, Peter- Peterson for- stole game one. Peterson yes. fucking stole game one. He had some absolutely remarkable saves. That that tandem is a great tandem over there. You don't see that a lot in the playoffs where teams are willing to play two goalies. But that's what they wanted to roll with and it worked, so... Yeah, and, and, and I liked that because I saw that, especially in the, the series before where Las Vegas and Ontario had faced off, and they did. They rotated out the goalies, and you don't see that in a lot of these teams. I'm trying to think of other teams that did it because I know Fresno didn't. I think Ogden did. Ogden rotated goalies between Mog and Yancey. Pueblo wasn't necessarily rotating goalies. It was just the, the goalies were left out to dry in their respective games. So that's no shade thrown at Pueblo, but it is shade thrown at some of the players that left their goalies out mm-hmm. to dry. It, it does make you angry as a goalie to watch. Like, yeah, it was recent, but the, the, the Sabres versus the stars where the stars were visiting in 10 to four and people can shout at Comrie all they want, but that was maybe one of the most defensively embarrassing Sabres games I've ever had the displeasure of watching the highlights of because I didn't I don't watch anything live anymore it just seemed like every goal that the 10 goals that Dallas got past Comrie was where is everybody else and that's kind of felt for the game where uh, Timmons got pulled in round one and for the game that Bjork got pulled in round two was Mm -hmm. The defense, and I, I want to say in both cases, it was when Timmons got pulled, it was after a horrific giveaway, and it was the same way when, when Bjork got pulled because it just, it was no shade at the goalies there. It was the team was lackluster 
at best, and I might be using lackluster as a way not to cuss at how bad I think the Bulls were in both those games. Um, yeah. So, but the Bulls can be a really good team, and they prove that the following games in both those series. But sometimes it's just, I don't know, some of the teams, it's like where, where, where your head's at. It's the playoffs. You can't, yeah. you can't, you can't just half-ass it um, going onto the ice and, and leave your goalies out there. Yeah. Which, again, I think I saw as well during the, the Rogue Valley series when they visited Vernal last week, which at one point I just turned off the TV and I was just I was so unimpressed and maybe for lack of a better word, pissed at how bad Rogue Valley was playing in front of Caden Enstrom. That I was just like, why am I even watching this? Like, they don't care. Why should I? They're just yeah. leaving him out there by himself. And when you see the half-ass effort, it um, it really does irritate you. But, yeah, I mean, you guys did not play. I mean, you, you Las Vegas and Fresno played a really fun series. And it was it was a lot of fun. I mean, there was definitely points. I mean, I will say as watching, I was yelling at the TV, especially at Fresno. Mm-hmm. But some of the penalties just seemed selfish, just undisciplined. And it, it put Fresno in a bad spot. And, you know, and, and for any of the, you know, any of your teammates out there, sorry, guys, um, listening, if and they will it's be. the playoffs, it, yeah. you can't take dumb penalties. You know, you know, honestly, I, I think that I'm, I'm, I never I never like to say that that the refs had a had a part in the game either. But there were a couple of calls that weren't called the other way that were egregious. Uh, I, I remember one where I believe Moraldo was down in the corner. He spins out of a, out of kind of, you know, guy was coming and he spins out. Guy full on stick to the skates, trips him, no call. Puck goes down the other end. Moraldo barely, like, like I mean, he goes to hit a guy and they call a trip on it. So I mean, there were some. I think some of us guys were looking at each other, going, "Why would you call that, but not the other one?" Um, but I mean, that's just going to happen. You got to try to find a way yeah. around it, but, yeah. but, you know, at the same time, it's a, it's a Pacific division championship game. And if you're not going to call it both ways, then don't call anything at all. Right. Um, cause it's, it's kind of, and I hate saying that about the refs cause you know, some, sometimes we had good refs. Sometimes we didn't, uh, it's just the USPHL in a whole, that's kind of how it yeah. works. Um, unfortunate as it is, that's how it works. Um, but no, it's 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 frustrating. It's frustrating to have that happen, and then you know, I think we ended up getting scored on on that P, on that PK there. Um, uh, but no, it was just it, it was something where we knew going into the weekend that it was going to be a power play PK kind of kind of game. Whoever comes out of those on top, and you know, Vegas played disciplined. I think that you know that they 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 wanted it, um, and they knew that they had to stay out of the box to get it, and they did so. You know, it was just something where they uh, they played it. They played a hell of a series. And, you know, I wish that, you know, part of us, you know, I think that talking with the guys and talking with other teams around the league and stuff like that, uh, these games need to be five game series. There's enough time for it. Um, a three game series is so bad because let's say you get in late. Right. One of these teams that gets in late, like we've talked about on a bus issue. Right. Yeah, Pueblo, all of a sudden, yeah, all of a sudden, yeah. all of a sudden, you're down one nothing in the series, and your your back's against the wall because you don't get, and and it also gives the coach a, an opportunity to, you know, not just sit there and go, okay, so if I make a mistake in game one of you know 
of this or that or, you know, line combinations weren't working. I have time to make an adjustment, whereas with a three-game series, you're like, okay, if I change the lines and we end up losing, I'm going to be to fault here. Or if I end up changing the lineup at all and we lose this game, I'm at fault here. So I think that if the USPHL is listening, you need to make those series five games. Uh, you, you have to. And, and there's enough time for it, um, you know, whether that be – and I think you still do the same thing, uh, the same kind of system where one team is at home the entire time, but you, you switch who's home and away like you do in a regular series. But one team is obviously in Fresno for our case. But, uh, no, I think that, that that needs to be changed next year because that's it's kind of it's it's at a point where there's too much competition. Uh, there's too much, you know there's too much competition at this level where it's three games and you're out. Right. So it kind of needs to be changed, especially for that kind of a uh, caliber of a series. Yeah. And I think, I think five games is about right for junior hockey. Cause I know like the USPHL does three games. Um, I think the null does five games until the final round where they just kind of do a game. Um, and I know from watching the EOJHL last year, they do seven games. And the VIJHL this year, they do seven games. And I think seven games is too long for junior hockey. It, it's not pro hockey. Take it down to yeah. five. It doesn't make sense to do a seven-game series in junior hockey. The only um, time it makes sense would be like a championship where you could space out the games. But like that's even that, it should be three. I, yeah, I think the only way a seven-game series makes sense in junior hockey is if it's an extremely local league. <laughs> um, yes, where like because otherwise you yeah, have to travel having one team fit up a bill for because that's another thing that that's got to be considered is is hotel costs and travel and yeah that's the only problem with with five game series and that's why it's just i don't think seven game series makes sense in junior hockey no uh, but you're right three game series just seem like a little bit too short and i I don't know. They could make adjustments to where I definitely think at a certain point. I think the way they do nationals is, is fine. I think doing that rotation, getting the teams are all getting experience. And it's like if you're if you're already made it to nationals and you're one of the 18 teams that make the nationals in the USPHL out of the 73 teams they have, then yeah. you're, you're well versed enough at this point to especially if you're going to be one of these teams out of the West, which I will congratulate the Northwest's Vernal Oilers the Ogden Mustangs and the Utah Outliers on the Mountain Division and the Las Vegas T-Birds out of the Pacific Division for being the four representatives out of the West that I will be screaming for against the teams I'm less familiar with. Any one of those four teams make it far. Truthfully, I'll be rooting for the four teams I know. That's mm-hmm. what it's going to boil down to. And I hope one of those four teams comes home with the national championship and i'm I'm excited because i've I've watched the last couple years of the usphl i've seen the charlotte rush and the rockets win it the last couple years the charlotte rush just kind of felt like you knew they were it seemed like they were just the best team the whole time the rockets i didn't i just didn't have faith in the rockets the whole time in every single series they made me look like an idiot and they won it all. Yeah, I'm going to be behind the four teams that, that come out of the West this year. I'm going to be really excited to see them all go far. And just hoping that one, I would be thrilled if it's two Western teams that are in the final. That would just be my happy moment. But, you know, we'll see. Those four teams got to show up because they're going to face off against 14 other teams that are also really very good and also yeah. fought to get there. So 
I'm excited for it all. And the best team will win. And that's, I think, the USPHL's format. The best team will win. They they really do set it up to you've got to, you know, show up or shut up and, and, and get that championship in. Now, Heath, you are a 20-year-old. You're a 2002, which means this was your last season of junior hockey. You've been in junior hockey the last couple of years. Yeah. Um, By 11 days. By 11 <laughs> days, I'm a 2002. It's the, it's the worst birth date that I could have. <laughs> That's awful. It, it really, I mean, you know what? I've seen, I've seen some birth dates out there. there there's there's um, one set of triplets I won't mention. Uh, actually, I'll just mention it. The Duminos, right? I think they're January 1sts. Are they all not oh. January 1st, uh, Steve? I'm not sure, to be honest with you. I'm, I'm pretty, pretty sure. sure January 1st in their 2004, which means they still have another two seasons of eligibility. That is so beneficial to, oh, honestly, it if it was a December 31st, baby, I would just be like, yes. But in Australia, it yeah. was. <laughs> yeah no i've i've tried to trust me i've tried to get the wiggle room there uh I, i've actually come up with an idea that that would probably work out for that because there's so many there's so many guys that are like born december you know the eighth month on that are like getting really screwed out of another year of juniors because yeah. they weren't born a month later like i mean it's just it's ridiculous it's not gonna help it's not gonna be like oh yeah you're making a you know, you're not going to be, you're, you're going to be turning 20, you're going to be 21. There's guys that are on Fresno that were 21 this year that, you know, yeah. turned 21 during the year, you know, so it wouldn't be like you're turning 22. So, so guys, yes. I think it's um, a good book to read on this because it does give you an advantage being born in January is mm-hmm. the, uh, I think it's, um, oh shoot, Blink by Malcolm Gladwell. I think it's in Blink or the tipping point. It's one of the two, but it talks about that exact thing. I got my December 24th baby. So oh. literally, dude, you know, eight days uh, would have given me a significant advantage over all the other attendees, right? Yeah. Um, you know, because it goes to yeah, because you know, you're just too young that early year. Oh yeah, no, that's exactly it, and that's what I, you know, I had battled, you know, uh, playing hockey, right? Is everybody, you know, that was born earlier January, February, March had that much more of an advantage over me, right? You know, mm-hmm. later as soon as you start playing high school. It's not that significant, but early on, oh, hell yeah. Everybody was that much taller and more powerful. So, um, so yeah, it makes a huge difference. And they'll show, you know, that the book, I'll have to look up which one, but it's great. Both books are great reads, by the way. But it showed how many players end up going pro or having a significant career that are born in the months of January alone. So not shitting on people's talent or anything else, but like you're pleading in your case. Yeah. You got one more year of this, you know, you're probably ripping up that league, man. Right. Yeah. No, without a doubt. It's just, I I honestly think that it should be a case by case situation where if you, you know, if you're born in December or something like that, you should be able to be able to play another year. Right. Like it'd be another year of free hockey. Give me more exposure or give guys like me more exposure um and stuff like that so i mean it'd be it'd be killer if those kind of guys could come back and stuff like that obviously that's not how it works but wish it worked like that so i think the i mean i understand why it doesn't mean i agree i understand why they do it like by year groups uh because it just simplifies the process but the problem with it is that especially in hockey the season um especially for junior hockey yeah it starts in september so i think I think if you're 
I think the cycle, and I know it would make things more complicated, like, well, he's an O2, but what month? Uh, it's, I think it simplifies it. It's, it's a disadvantage. And in terms yeah. of hockey, I think if you if you put hockey from September to August, because that's the season technically, because in, or you know they could even do the six month or seventh month split, because I I don't know, like they're they're generally drafting a lot of these leagues in June or July. I think breaking down those year groups into two groups, a cycle, yeah, into yeah, September, yeah. like. If you're like the if you're if you're born before X date, you're in this group. Yeah. If you're born after this date, you're in X group. Yeah, no, that's how they that's how they do basically every other sport. I mean, like yeah. I remember soccer, you know, at least it used to be when I used to play. It used to be, you know, if you were born, I think, like March to this date, you're in the U-12s. If you're born this date to this date, you're in the U-14s. Like, I mean, it would just be kind of like that. I mean, it's just. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like entering the season. You shouldn't be 21, but the season starts in September. So it's like, just make yeah. it September. Make it one September. Like if you were born 31 August, you're that's so to speak the new 31 December. Um, yeah. Where no, you can't enter the season as a 21 year old. And I know no. junior hockey leagues fluctuate all over the place, but like the yeah. USPHL is September. Then that's fine because then players can turn 21 during their junior season. Well, I mean, we had a 21 we, to start. Yeah. yeah, we had a couple of those guys on our team uh, this year with with Fresno, where guys were turning 21 at the end of the year, right? Yeah. And it's like, and it's like, I was sitting there going, yeah, I would, I'd be 21 for what three months of the year? Is that really going to hurt a lot of guys? I mean, like, and there's so yeah. many guys that are like that that are that are very similar to me, where it's like they were born in December, or, you know, they and they're like, hey, I can I play another year? And the league keeps pushing back at it, and and I and I understand it to a degree, but at the same time, you're trying to grow the game, keep the veteran presence around, yada yada. You know, they're trying to expand, which we've heard about uh, the league even more in the West. So I mean, wh- why why cut out the the guys, right? But who knows? Who knows if that rule that rule will probably change? You know, in two years, and we'll be looking back going, oh, I wish it would have changed sooner, but we'll see. <laughs> yeah. That's how it always um, works. It really is. So, yeah, now let's look at the no college, because now that you can't play junior hockey anymore because they haven't adjusted the rules yet. And I think they should. I'm, I'm 100 percent with you. I think there's just a disadvantage to certain. And I understand why they do it, because it simplifies it, because you can just look at a year. But the only thing yeah. you have to do there is look at a day, one September. Right. And I think that just yeah. really changes the game and gives gives those players the opportunity to turn 21 during their junior hockey season and not during the year to have those players join where you have to be 16 by the first of September, but you, you can't be 21 by that date, like the cutoff date being the first. I think that's the right way to move forward. That way you don't really have 15 year olds. Cause there are some 15 year olds like Robin Benoit. I think he was 15 to start the year with Bakersfield. I have to look at his exact birthday. What an incredible player. And yes, he was just really impressive this year. I would be stunned if any one of the six NCDC teams don't pick him up because one of them should for next year. And if not, uh, one of those null teams should go and snag him. You know, I, I think he, he's going to be a player that makes it up to junior, uh, major junior or the USCHL before before the end of his junior career. I think he's just a standout player. But I think having that cutoff is critical. And unfortunately yeah. for you, that that doesn't exist right now. 
And so you're looking at college, which, again, is the next awesome experience in your hockey playing career. Really exciting. I know this is just going to be an amazing adventure for you. And I know you're looking at teams, you're talking with teams. But tell us a little bit about how that's going right now for you. Uh, you know, it's it's going good. Uh, you know, waiting to hear back from a couple of colleges that are off at spring break right now. Uh, sure, they're having a blast. But, you know, I'm waiting to hear back from a couple more colleges. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, going and partying, not, not a big deal. Um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, but no, uh, yeah. So so it's looking uh, it's looking good. I mean, I've got a I've got a bunch of offers. Um, you know, I'm I'm really I've narrowed it down to a couple uh, right now. Uh, I have a front runner, um, but you know, I'm gonna go and try and plan some visits in the next uh, couple weeks here. Now that our season was cut short and we're gonna be on the golf course, um, you know, so. Uh, <laughs> So yeah, gonna gonna try and go and visit some colleges and get some maybe even go to some prospect camps. I don't know. I'm gonna try and sign in the next few weeks here, but uh, but no, yeah, it's, it's going good. Um, definitely a couple of colleges that I had a lot of interest in. Um, you know, it's just how the cookie crumbles is. You know, not looking for goaltenders next year. So you know, having to go out of my comfort zone a little bit. Um, but that's 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 what kind of hockey does. It takes you out of your comfort zone, and you know if you can't do that, you can't play hockey, right? So, yeah. Uh, so yeah, no, it's it's going good. Um, definitely excited for what's next to come, and excited to set up my uh, get my new gear set up all ready to go, and get my mask painted and all that good stuff. So. That's some exciting stuff right there. To move on to the next stage, especially as us goalies, because I I know that's for a lot of us goalies one of the major reasons. Um, outside the fact that there might be slightly something wrong with us in the head, is that we you look at that gear and you're like, yeah, I want all that really because regular players don't get anything fancy. The 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 coolest thing they might get is maybe maybe a cool tape on their stick or something. But us goalies, we really get to pick mm-hmm. our pads, our stick. Uh, sometimes it, the team still dictates the color of the stick. But like your pads and your mask. That's you. Fully me. You oh, yeah. Any- yeah, yeah. So it, it's going to be, I'll just say it's going to be a really cool setup. And uh, I've already got <laughs> it kind of, yeah, I've got it all picked out. Um, it just depends on where I go and, you know, that kind of thing. I already know the graphic I'm going to go with. Obviously, I'll be using Vaughn again. Uh, you know, best goalie pads in the market. Uh, any young goalies out there listening, definitely try Vaughn before you commit to anything else because everything's handmade doesn't matter the level, the the age, it's definitely a great, great, uh, great area to go into and, you know, to use their gear. It's, it, you really feel the handcraftedness of everything. So, so yeah, to show you how old I we'll am. take sponsorships. <laughs> yeah. we, we take, we accept sponsorships, Vaughn. We're still looking for our first official, like we, you know, I like working with, um, maskgraps.ca because again all of you listeners to listen to the podcast you know that you can get 15 percent off your mask design with the code pigeon 2023 um but it's one of those companies that i sought out because hockey's expensive and junior hockey's very expensive and if, if a player can get a pretty sick mask because you have a sick mask keith but there's a lot of goalies out there especially in the usphl 73 teams i mean seriously just looking at the west just looking at the western usphl mm-hmm. i track you goalies more than you think i do so if you're like oh he's never mentioned to me shit that's that's because there, i haven't had an amazing reason to mention you doesn't mean i haven't noticed you because if i'm going down as as we're talking i'm scrolling down to my tracker 
I track you guys month to month. And if I look at just the month of February, because I don't need to do it for the playoffs because basically the sites do that anyway. Mm-hmm. There were 57 of you goalies that played in the 18 teams in the Western USPHL. And wow. I have you based off your performance from 1 to 57 that month. On, wow. On stats like i track you guys more than you think i do so when when you think oh he's just picking 10 goalies no if i mention you it's because based off your stats based off your performance because you could have the better stat but you could you could really be ranked number one in stats but you don't even make my top 10 or my honorable mention because i'm like well yeah you played two games yeah i can't really say a goalie that played you know, uh, just for instance, what's this most recent month? Yeah, Nathan Dickey, like, got, the, I think, our goalie of the month. 106 shots he faced. He, you know, stopped 100 of them. So he had a .943 save percentage, and he was 4-0. He had four goalies above him. Wow. Stats. But I'm like, based off his performance, based off his – and it doesn't even about wins because – it's really about the goalie's performance, and statistics are important, but there were goalies with higher statistics that didn't make the list, and there were goalies with lower statistics that did, because it's it's also – stats is one thing, but you, if you watch the games, you can know that a goalie can perform at a certain level, but yeah. are they saying a lot of shots that are low probability scoring chances? Is their defense so good they're just minimalizing all the really good opportunities? Is there a goalie just getting – obliterated because they're getting so many of these high problems. That's all taken into consideration when I, when I pick a goalie of the month. And I think it, I probably went down a rabbit hole a little bit too long there on goalie stuff. But when, when, when we mentioned you guys on this podcast, cause Heath, you've been mentioned, you were, you were one of the goalies this year that we mentioned in our top 10 positional players for goalies. Fabian was on there. Cause you are the two goalies we've talked to this year. Uh, we've yeah. got a couple of, other players lined up. We have another goalie lined up here in the next week that we haven't chatted with yet. And he's been mentioned multiple times. And so there's so much more to just that position that even the video I dropped today for you listeners, I know you're listening to this on Thursday at the earliest. We're recording this on Tuesday, the 14th of March. I really do watch more and and deeper than normal fans, normal people who watch our game. Yeah, no, without a doubt. I know that. I know that from, from just talking to you. I mean, yeah. we've talked we've talked about, oh, yeah, this guy is playing like this. And, you know, me and you will, you know, DM on occasion and be like, hey, yep. have you seen this guy play? And so, I mean, yeah, no, you do. You do your work. You definitely yeah. do your. Yeah. So it's not like yeah. you're just watching a game and going, well, that's a great save and posting it. No, you're yeah. you're doing deeper than that. So, yeah, because there can be goalies where I've had goalies reach out. They're like, hey, you don't really feature a lot of my saves. And I'm like, I don't need to. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't do anything dramatic, but you're mentioned. You are mentioned in the things. Like, yeah, but, you know, people also like, I like seeing my highlights. I'm like, yeah, but when it comes to highlights, your saves are like on, on the scoring scale. They're you're already in position. They've got to score like a certain point percentage for me to be like, yeah, I'm going to feature that save because people yeah. aren't going to watch your all your saves. They're going to be like, that's a great save. I said scouts will be excited about it, but you're the fans listening and watching the podcast and stuff like that. They want to see those sexy saves. They want to see the desperation leaps. They want to see that crazy stuff. That's the stuff that gets people excited. People aren't excited by Ryan Miller's saves for the most part. He had amazing saves during his NHL career, but he was almost so in position that his 
as a fan of the game, you're like, oh, he made a save. Boring. He made a save. Boring. You're not really excited about his wild saves, but if he's like Patrick Wying it, where he's leaping across with the glove and he's windmilling, and it's like, wow, that was amazing. That's the stuff people want to see. It's mm-hmm. just it, there's different reasons goalies have to do that. I made a lot of beautiful dramatic saves in my career because I just wasn't that good, <laughs> so I was out of <laughs> position. So uh, I wish I could be a goalie that was so good I was always in position, but I wasn't, and that's yeah. why I talk about hockey instead of playing it now. For sure, but, for sure. But yeah, so you're you're looking forward to college now. You're gonna have a six set up, and Vaughn, if you're listening, we'd love to get a sponsorship. We'd love to talk about your pads. Heath seems to love them. I'm not oh, so yeah. convinced, Vaughn. Maybe you could convince me, Vaughn. Convince me. But you know. well, to let Vaughn know how old I am, those pads were coming out. The very first set of Vaughn pads. Wow, I coming saw. out. Oh They're yeah, out. dude. Oh. Yeah, that's what. I, that's how old I am, man. <laughs> like I'm not kidding you, Goldie. That okay? So I'm talking. I was in the eighth grade. So in Canada, we go by grades. It's 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 interesting how we say it middle school right the end of it we had just evolved from essentially the catcher's chest protector right we we were just evolving from that to get your proper you know we call the monkey suits right i started with the catcher's chest protector basically it was uh from sherwood and it sucked (laughs) yes they were painful (laughs) because you got hit by a shot between the plastic oh it it hurt like a son of a and there were so many gaps Mm -hmm. like you would take them off the arm there was nothing. Yep. There was no protection on your arms, dude. I get, I remember a coach coming up to me. A guy just let this howitzer go, and again, a howitzer for an eight-year-old, right? Just a hard high shot, and it hit me square right in the bicep, and it dropped me. Like I could not lift my arm because he hit it perfectly. The coach oh, is like, yeah. "You got to toughen up. You got to take that." And I'm like, "Dude, like that's puck on flesh. <laughs> like it yeah. hurt." But to show you how old I am, Vons were just coming out when I was in the eighth grade. Like I saw my very first set of Von pads. I went, huh, interesting. You know, what's what's this one about? Eighth grade. Wow. Yeah. And then wow. on top of that, the goalie gloves took these leaps. Like it went from your standard, you know, again, Tony Esposito glove that everybody had. And then they just started booming in size. I jumped in at the wrong time because they didn't even have the cheaters on them yet. So I bought my glove. I was like, Dad, I want that glove. And Blocker said, he said, okay, perfect. So I was like, yeah, I got a bigger glove now. I'll be able to stop more. And within a month, they doubled in size. And then there was a cheater. I'm like, get the hell out of here. <laughs> so that's how old yeah. I am. So Vaughn, by the way, I would not be your best for sponsorship, except for the fact that I would be bragging about how good He's I a co-host, Vaughn. He's a co-host. I'm the host. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good times. Oh, good, great good, times. Good times. But uh, – well, ladies and gentlemen, you definitely be sure to listen to our bonus episode. We're going to wrap this one up for, for you listeners, and uh, we're going to be talking some NHL hockey in the next episode, especially uh, with the recent move of Jonathan Quick. That's going to be a hot topic on our next episode, so be sure to listen out for that one. It'll be out in the next few days, but until then, we want to thank all of you listeners for tuning in. Be sure to reach out if you're new junior or collegiate hockey worlds and wish to get on a future podcast. Also, follow us on Twitter at PHHOfficial or on Instagram at PHHPodcast to let us know what you think. We want to thank Heath Goldsmith, the now ex-junior goalie who was most recently with the Fresno Monsters, for jumping on with us today. Thanks for having me. No, thanks for jumping on. And uh, this is the Pigeon Hockey Podcast with Chris and Steve. Have a great one, hockey fans. And remember, listeners, always clear your crease.